Welcome back to Real Talk, a podcast focused on the reality of chronic illness. Every week, I'll speak with new guests to bring you an inside perspective for Unfiltered Fridays. Here, we'll talk about dating, mental health, invisible illness stigma, balancing school with a condition, and more. I'm your host, Melody Olander. I'm a life blogger, Instagrammer, healthcare solutions grad, and founder of the nonprofit, But You Don't Look Sick. Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us today for another episode of Unfiltered Fridays. Today, I'm going to be talking with Brittany Elliott, also known as Britterbees on Instagram and TikTok. Brittany is a social media influencer who shows the everyday realities of living with Lyme disease. After following traditional Western medicine protocols and not seeing results for healing her Lyme disease, Brittany turned to bee venom therapy. You heard that right. Multiple times a week, Brittany stings herself on either side of her spine with live bees as a form of treatment for her Lyme disease. While most people associate bees with a scary memory of a terrible sting, the medicinal benefits of bee venom has been studied worldwide and dates back to the Egyptian times. The use of bee venom for various ailments continues to be studied, but the main compound found in bee venom, known as melatonin, seems to have promising benefits. Tune in to hear Brittany's experience after a year and a half of stinging herself and why she's sticking with it. Hey, Brittany, could you get us started by telling everyone a little bit about yourself and when your story first started? Yeah, um, awesome. So obviously, yeah, I'm Brittany. Um, I have been diagnosed with Lyme disease uh, and co-infections as well as mold toxicity known as chronic inflammatory response system. I always say system syndrome. Um, I guess I don't even know where to begin. I guess I'll back it up of just like giving you a little insight of like who I was prior to this and like how it kind of transpired into what it is now. I was a freaking go-getter, like constantly busy, constantly doing things. I was one of those people that could like never be alone. I was involved in every organization from like leadership to I used to be like an ambassador on campus to playing sports and all of that. Um, and I was just, I was a busybody. and literally overnight, my life, I swear, Melody, like it flashed before my eyes. <laughs> um, I, I laugh now, but because I, I know, <laughs> I know the reason why, and I'm obviously healing. So I can look back and be like, holy crap, my life was crazy. Um, but yeah, really overnight, like I went from being this really fearless, outgoing personality and woman to someone who just like felt like a stranger in like somebody else's body. Like it was an out of body experience. And overnight, um, I was living in San Diego in a cute little beach bungalow in ocean beach. And I started experiencing like dizziness and eye floaters and like severe depression. And it was just really out of the norm for me. And obviously like, because I went from being so high, high energy to, someone that was experiencing all these crazy out-of-body symptoms, I was like, all right, let's go to the doctors right away. Like something is not right with my body. It literally felt like a light switch just like turned off. And so started going to the doctors. And at that time, I mean, I really knew nothing about like holistic or functional medicine. So I was going to all modern doctors and gosh, hundreds of doctor's appointments and, and multiple years, honestly, of just them telling me that I was fine, that I was healthy. Every test that I did came back perfectly normal. I had one doctor tell me that I needed probably to work out more. Um, I used to be like such a gym rat. So this, that, that irks me to this day. Like I was working out six days a week. Yeah, every doctor was just telling me that I was fine and I was good. And it was just one of those things that it was like super depressing. Cause then I was like, wait, am I actually sick? Am I feeling these types of symptoms or 
are these doctors like actually, are they right? You know, maybe is this all in my head? I don't know. And so it really was like a year or so, maybe a year or two years where I started to believe the doctors like, look, maybe they are right. Like, I'm just going to go about my life and keep going. And then just over time, it kept getting worse and worse. Um, the neuro neurological symptoms were really bad. The dizziness kept coming in, the headaches, the fatigue, the muscle aches. It was just nonstop of symptoms coming in and getting worse and getting more consistent over time. And I just got to this breaking point of like, something's not right with my body. Like, I can't live life like this anymore. Like, I'm going to get to the bottom of it. Um, so that's when I started going to functional medicine doctors, paying out of pocket to see obviously like holistic practitioners as well. It took, again, quite a few, a few years of even doing that to really find like a diagnosis. I was told that I was like nutrient deficient and things like that, but I still never had like a hard label as to why this was happening. And then again, it just, I think as you can probably relate, I started just diving deep onto the internet, <laughs> which we all do when we're desperate to feel better and learning so much through Facebook groups. I say this all the time, like people are like, Facebook is dead. And I was like, not for the chronically ill, because that's where we learn everything that's beneficial. But yeah, I started just diving deep. And I remember I came across an article about mold toxicity and I was like, oh my gosh, like it was the first time I had actually seen a list of symptoms where I was like, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what's happening. So literally that day I made an appointment with a mold specialist who was under Dr. Shoemaker, who's one of the top mold doctors out there. Um, and literally on the spot, the doctor was like, based on your symptoms, based on everything that you're telling me this, I'm going to say it's, I'm like 90% sure you have this, but let's do a few additional tests and the MRI and things like that. And so went through with the test, it came back that I was positive for mold toxicity. I had developed brain lesions on my brain, which still to this day, it, it's actually like super interesting. I always like to analyze these things. But when my symptoms first came on in San Diego, we did do an MRI, a medical doctor did do one. I showed no lesions versus three years down the road as these symptoms kept coming and, you know, staying more consistent, those lesions obviously popped up during that time period. So it was validation in a sense, it was super bittersweet, but it was validation that like, okay, something did change in my brain and something is going on. So basically at that time I cleaned up mold from my environment and I made a really big move. Um, I decided to move out of Southern California, uh, which is near and dear to my heart and my hometown and my family and my friends and packed up and moved to Denver, Colorado, because Colorado is just a lower mold index rating than California, just with the moisture. In California, obviously, in living coastal, it's kind of hard to get away from mold, whereas in Colorado, it's very dry. I sold all of my belongings. I deep washed every single thing to get rid of mold and all of the mold spores and ended up in Denver. And I didn't get the relief that I thought I was going to get. I thought I was going to like move into this brand new apartment with all my brand new items and I felt okay, but it was like, I, I was expecting to like, just like shed almost, right? Like, okay, I made this move. I'm doing all of this. I'm going to feel better instantly. And I did it. And so basically I was out here. It was my very first week in Denver. I was meeting up with one of my uh, girlfriends from home out here. And she, she looked at me and she was like, have you ever like been tested for Lyme disease? She's like, have you ever been bit by a tick? And I'm like, first of all, no, I've been, I've never been tested, but I was like, yes, I've been bit by a tick. <laughs> she was like, well, I know, like I have a lot of friends um, and obviously follow a lot of people online on Instagram and like your symptoms sound very familiar and 
all of that such. So really from that conversation, I was like, shoot, maybe she's right. Like, so I found a Lyme literate medical doctor out here. Literally the first test came back like that I had Lyme disease. Um, and that really is just kind of like how my, it's a long story, but it's how my Lyme diagnosis really came to fruition. And from start to finish of when I was starting to experience those symptoms to when I was diagnosed was about a four year time, time span. One thing that you talked about there that a lot of people can relate to in the chronic illness community, I think, is how disappointed you feel when those treatments don't instantly work out. Because for a lot of us, we can remember the day that everything changed, which like, yeah, maybe something caused it before this, but we remember the day that mm-hmm. everything changed. And similar to you, like my symptoms started with neurological symptoms and I was fine one night when I went to sleep. The next morning I woke up, I was blind in my left eye. I was having a severe wow. headache, almost like I was having stabbing pain in my head. I was having this burning pain throughout my entire body. Like you, I knew instantly something was wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this isn't normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I went to the ER. They were testing for like strokes and blood clots in the brain, like all these crazy things, and they weren't finding anything. And in the meantime, I was still in excruciating pain. They decided to medically sedate me so they could keep running more tests. Mm-hmm. And from there, like they just couldn't find anything wrong. All the tests were coming up normal, all the brain scans were coming up normal. And I felt like a crazy person as all these tests kept coming back normal. And then years down the line, when I finally get diagnosed, sometimes when you finally get diagnosed, they make it sound like this treatment will work, you know, or this change will work. And that was my expectation because the condition I have is CIDP. And the main treatment for that is IVIG. So it's plasma Mm -hmm. through an IV. And for me, it ended up giving me meningitis twice instead of helping my condition. And I was so disappointed because then it makes you feel like I did something wrong. Like I should have tried harder. And Mm -hmm. I feel like so many of us go through a similar mindset. So where did your mind go when those treatments didn't work and you were kind of having to find something alternative Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I will say that it's like a whiplash, like you said, because it's like, here we are, like, not only did it, is this not working, but it took years, right? Or months, whatever it may be. It does take obviously a little bit longer to get that diagnosis. So once you actually get it, you have this like almost excitement of like, yes, this treatment's going to work. It's going to heal me. Let's go. Um, And when it doesn't work, it's just, it's a letdown. Like it's really hard because your mind and like you, all we want to do is heal. All we want to do is feel better. And it's really hard not to internalize that and be like, did I do something wrong? Or should I have looked somewhere else? Or is this not my right path? And like, I think so many of us go through it and it's so hard, especially like I do obviously love the, the community around chronic illness, but it is hard when you have people or it's like this treatment has worked for one person, but that doesn't mean that it's going to work for me. And so people have advice, which I completely appreciate. And I love that we can all like connect, but it is sometimes hard when you see that, like this worked for one person and not you. And yeah, it's hard. You get disappointed for sure. Sad. And it's disappointing as much as it is exciting when you see friends or other people in the chronic illness community, or when you're looking up treatments, you might've seen all these other people respond so well, or 
maybe they needed to be on the treatment for a year and now they're doing really well. So it gives you that sense of hope. You're like, okay, I need to tough it up for a year and I'll get through it. And then all of a sudden a year passes and you're like, okay, maybe it's going to take me a little (laughs) bit longer. And it's like a year and a half, two years later, and you're still trying all these treatments. And then Mm -hmm. you're like, well, shit, is it me? Am I doing something wrong? Because all these other people seem to be figuring it out. And yeah, the, the funny thing that every person I talk to in the chronic illness community, and we were talking about it the other day on another podcast with so his name's Jake and he was noticing the same thing. Everyone that we meet is almost a type A personality. Like we all mm. used to be gym rats. We all, like I used to be a boxer. I used to be a dancer. I used to be a total gym rat. He was the same way. Every person I talked to, they're like, oh yeah, I used to be a soccer player. I used to be yeah. a football player. I used to be a gym rat. And part of me thinks like, okay, well, we're still here and we're still fighting because it is part of our personality. We're not going to give up. We're like these type A personalities. We're like, no, we're not giving up. Something's going to work. Like, yeah, we have that stubborn personality. And then it almost is a reminder and like for us to slow down. And it gave us a completely shift in perspective. Like for me, I know I have a completely different perspective prior to diagnosis and prior to getting sick and what I thought my capabilities were compared to now I'm like okay Mm -hmm. I still can do all the same things I just can't do it all at once and I'm not superwoman as a lot of us think that we are and we really have to reestablish what's important to us and Mm -hmm. figure out for ourselves like you said not everything is going to work for everyone not every product not every medication every advice like everyone's situation is so different that that's something I think is really crucial at the end of the day for us to remember. And it's hard sometimes to remember that. I mean, we both struggle with it ourselves when you're going through this journey of healing. It's not always easy. You're going to have not at all. (laughs) So many ups and downs. Um, I completely agree with you in the sense of like, I've changed as a person and my personality and just like needing to slow down. And I used to be this, as you mentioned, type A go-getter, like constantly busy. And it's like, I have had to teach myself to slow down. And I will say the moment that I finally like surrendered and let go of all these expectations of healing or doing this treatment or for this amount of time, I kid you not. And I tell this to everyone and it's, You can't make people do this because it just comes with time and experience. But the second that I finally let go and surrendered was the second that I swear I started healing, like feeling like I was healing on a deeper level. Do you feel the same? Yeah. Yeah. And I literally were saying that I'm like, yes. When you explain this to people that haven't been through it, they don't understand. And they think it's the same as giving up. Like, I kid you not, I remember and it's it's not giving up. It is just surrendering. I remember where I came to the conclusion one night where I'm like, okay, I might never get better. Like this might never work. This might be my reality for the rest of my life. And I need to be okay with that. And if I don't keep listening to myself and trying what works for me, like I'm going to end up dead because I was really trying to live up to the expectations of healing. Even like these treatments have to work for me. This medication has to work for me. And it's not like that at all. It's such a journey of figuring out what works for you. And what works for you 
might make me even more sick and that's okay like Mm -hmm. as long as it's working for you that's what matters and you can't explain that to anyone you can't teach that to someone you're right it just comes with learning and life and finally getting to that point of not necessarily I give up but yeah I surrender this is Mm -hmm. this might be it but I'm gonna try as hard as I can to get through it yeah it's like the breakthrough moment and like you said it's just one of those things that I can say it so many times to people but it won't resonate unless like someone is going through the experience and is ready for that breakthrough moment you know Oh, of course. And whenever I've explained it to able bodied people or someone who hasn't been through a same situation, they're like, oh, you gave up? Like you, <laughs> like you accepted that you're going to die? I'm like, no, you're not yet. It's a difference. Like mm-hmm. you finally, it's an acceptance and it's an acceptance almost with yourself. And I really agree that that's where the true healing starts and yeah. looking like at that moment, I felt like that was my weakest moment. It's not a strong moment in your life, like surrendering and getting to that point. Like that was one of my worst moments. I was like bawling. I was upset. But afterwards, looking back, I realized, wow, that's really the turning point in my healing journey. And when I really stopped overthinking my healing journey and stopped having expectations, and I'm just gonna be like, I'm gonna see what works for me, because you know what? I have a rare condition that there isn't much research done on at this point. Like, yeah. I'm going to do my own research, see what works for me. And yeah. these doctors only see me for 10 minutes at a time. How are they going to know what's best for me all around? When mm. Hit the nail on the head of that one. Like, doctors don't know your body always. And I think also that comes with surrendering, too, is also understanding that the doctors aren't always right. Like there are so many different types of doctors. And like, I even say this with Lyme specialists because like, it's so hard. I can go from one doctor to the next and their advice for me, their treatment plan is night and day. Like even the ones that I see out here, like that are under the same umbrella of the same company are giving me two completely different treatment plans. And at that point also, it was also a realization for me of like, not to say that all doctors are wrong by all means, but they're not always right. You know, your body best and you know, what's working best for you. It's funny because I realized the same thing at one point, especially when where we're located, we're located in the US and we have a very, I want to say they focus only on one body part at a time. So they're very specialized almost to a downfall, whereas in other countries, it's more of an integrated approach where you need to combine Western medicine specialists therapy, talking to a psychologist, getting massages, trying Eastern medicine techniques, and really finding what works for you, and them all talking and collaborating and communicating with one another. Because otherwise, I was seeing all these different specialists, like so many different neurologists, gastroenterologists, and they all had a different treatment regimen for me, different (laughs) medications. And at one point, Like I wasn't even taking the medications that they were recommending because I had three drawers just full of different pills. They should know best, but unfortunately I think of them as a consultant. I think of myself as the boss and I'm like, all right, they're working for me. I'm going to take their advice and Mm -hmm. see what they have to say. But at the end of the day, I'm the boss of my own body. And if I don't agree, if that doesn't feel right, I'm not going to go through with it. Yeah. I mean, I think we've just almost been like, I don't want to say brainwashed, but like really we have been as far as like the doctor is always right. Whoever's in the white coat knows best. 
And I think you are completely right where we've gotten just from the United States in general have gotten so away from actually treating the root of the problem. And so much is so much more just let's fix the symptoms and put the bandaid on it with these antibiotics. And I'll tell you, even myself, I came very much from a family who was all about listen to the doctor, take these antibiotics. Like I was on antibiotics, which pretty much my entire childhood, which probably didn't help my symptoms now and like get, getting me to where I am. But it took a lot of unlearning for me to be like, no, this isn't always right. This isn't always the best thing. Why am I putting these foreign chemicals in my body? And why am I not actually treating the root cause? Um, I will say I read one book in the beginning of my journey. It was um, From Toxic to Not Sick. I don't know if you've read that by Summer. Gosh, I forget her name. But yeah, yeah, that was a great book for me to be like, it was very eye-opening in the sense of coming from very much like doctors and antibiotics and always taking the orange bottles and pills to being like, whoa, this doesn't make sense. Like, why are we not treating the root cause and why are we not just getting to the bottom of it. And so many people are quick, like you said, quick to judge and quick to be like, well, why aren't you just taking this antibiotic? The doctor told you to take it. And I get this every single day on my TikToks. Doxycycline is a very popular drug for, uh, for Lyme disease. If caught early, it's one of the ones they put you on for a month to a few months at a time, and it will kill out the Lyme. And people are like, just take Doxy. Like, why are you not just taking Doxy? And like, goodness, we are oh, just, no. we're so warped. <laughs> that doesn't always work. <laughs> Oh my god. Well, it's funny that you say it because that is so many people's expectations or idea. And that gives us the same expectations for ourselves when you're being told these comments because, and that's the normal here. And unfortunately, that can harm so many people if they're not, if they're just blindly following, unfortunately. And I've been in that place. I've blindly been following. I'm like, oh yeah, the doctor knows best. The condition I have is CIDP. And if caught early, it's really like, I don't want to say it's easy, but you'll get into remission relatively mm -hmm. quickly. They might need less than a year of IVIG, maybe six months. And unfortunately I wasn't caught until like yeah. three years down the line. And there's been a lot of damage that's been done and our situation is going to be different. And it's going to be a longer journey because like you have, we have multiple years of damage and toxicity and all these pills that again cause symptoms of their own I and that's unfortunately the system that we have as well if I go to a doctor for a stomach ache and they give me a medicine for my stomach ache and then it gives me a headache they're going to then give me a medication for my headache and yes. then if the medication for my headache makes me have a rash they're going to give me a medication for my for rash. rash and then and yeah, and it just keeps going on. And then we're like, okay, I started with a stomach ache. Now I have a rash. Now I have a headache and a stomach ache. And, mm -hmm. and then it's, they're not even addressing what the cause of the stomach ache is. They're, like you said, just putting this Band-Aid over it and hoping that it fixes. And if more issues pop up, it's like a pipe that's leaking. They're like, oh, put some more tape on it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I will never forget. I came out of a neurologist appointment and this is when I, I had just like found the brain lesions on my brain for my mold specialist and he reviewed it. But my mom of course was like, we need to go to a, a neurologist and get their opinion. So I'm like, okay, let's go. Let's, let's do this Nance. Um, so we like went and basically he had no reasoning for me having brain lesions on my brain, uh, no reasoning for any of the symptoms. However, he was like, here's some ADHD medication. 
I was like, I don't have ADHD. I don't deal with anything like that. He was like, well, just take it. It will probably help you. And I'll never forget. I told my mom, I was like, I am not filling these pills. Like I am not taking any of these because this is not going to help the root cause. Like how can a neurologist not give me a root cause of lesions on my brain? And so my mom was so mad at me at the time. She definitely has changed her perspective now, but I remember I came home and I saw the pill bottle that she got filled and she picked up on her own on in my counter. And I literally opened the bottle melody, flushed it down the toilet and was like, I am not taking these, but it just goes to show you. I mean, yeah, like some, you, you have, you know, your body best. And if you feel like you are just being put on these things as band-aids, not actually cause like fixing the root cause, like take control into your own hands. Like we only have one body, like you have to listen to it not an easy place to get to to fight your own mom about not taking oh your gosh, medications no. or fighting your doctors but to a point where you're like okay this is a life or death situation it's not like if I let them get away with it like oh my feelings might get hurt or whatever something stupid or little it's like no this is a life or death situation like this buildup of toxic chemicals in your body these whole nother issue in itself is that there's almost 10% of all deaths are from medical errors, which is like, and this isn't even like complex surgeries. This isn't like, oh, they were doing an open heart surgery and it went bad. This is like, no, they prescribed too many medications. They gave a completely wrong diagnosis or they completely ignored the patient. Yeah. And going to me. And, but then there's patients and like so many of us that this is our normal, that then again, it doesn't surprise me that so many people are like, oh, okay, this is what I should do. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I will say again, another comment that I get all the time on like my things is promoting B venom therapy, which is a treatment that I do for Lyme disease is, oh my gosh, like that kills people. One person has passed away and that's because they didn't take the precautionary measures. And my response is like, do you know how many deaths happen every single day from people being prescribed medical pills or opioids or whatever it is, even from addiction is a whole different story, right? Versus these medical errors. Like I'm like, again, it just, uh, we're just, we're so backwards as a society. And like, I will say, I do think it's changing for the better. I do think And as much as people like to talk crap on Gen Z, I do think that Gen Z does see the good between holistic and Western. Like there's more awareness that's happening with social media now than ever. So it's like, you know, people are starting to see that. But at the end of the day, yeah, it's just, it's, it's insane that people are so quick to, to just like discredit holistic medicine and to only focus on, on the antibiotics always something so big and so drastic that helps your body too I'm like for some of us it was like if you think about the scale of things a tick is what caused your entire symptoms mold something so small something that you can barely see Mm -hmm. and for me like same it's like an autoimmune condition something you can't even see something so little and small did this entire change to our body so what if it's the same thing to fix it what if these tiny little adjustments are what helps us not doing these giant drastic measures of and i'm not saying medicine doesn't work because i still have to take pills i still have to take western medicine treatments but it's a combination and it's really realizing okay what's medically necessary for my body to function and then what can i do 
holistically, what can I, what would be the same? Because I mean, doctors talk about that with you and others aren't even educated at all. And the funny thing that I notice is it's doctors from other countries that are the ones that are educated in this holistic approach. Like I had this amazing cardiologist. I was on so many heart medications that my heart wasn't functioning properly. Like (laughs) it was going up to like 240 and then it would drop down to 40 and I would pass out and then it would spike back up to like 170 and I'm like what the hell is going on I would be sleeping and my heart rate's like 150 and I'm like okay this is and I see this card and they just kept putting me on a pill to increase my heart rate and then a pill to decrease my heart rate and then a pill to increase my blood pressure and then decrease it and like combination with each other And then I go and see this cardiologist and he just tells me these little adjustments that I can do. He's like, okay, you have POTS as one of your other conditions might help you, but it's going to be an overtime thing. He's like, raise the head of your bed by a couple of inches. Just put like some blocks under there. He's like, the don't need to take all these pills. He's like, you the tiniest amount of this dose. And he's like, if you actually increase the sodium in your body, he's like, it'll give you the same effect as these three heart medications you're taking and for me I was like oh my god like this is amazing you know and I like I was grinning like ear to ear and I was like you are so cool I was like this is what I love hearing like and he does follow-ups with me I always tell him how much I talk to him about people and to other doctors Mm -hmm. because that's the way it should be not overloading you on medications like yeah I do still need to be on a heart medication of course but I can also do little things like increasing my sodium intake and increasing my bed elevation to help as well. So I'm very interested and I think other people are too, because what you're doing and what you're talking about with B venom therapy, because I think it's something that a lot of people don't know is even possible, but for me, I just think it makes perfect sense. I'm like, okay, you were infected by an insect something as little yeah. as an insect bite, why can't something as little as an insect sting be what fixes it, you know? Yeah. And for me, I think it's genius. And I think it's such an amazing topic that I want to hear more about how you came to this and how you got to that point for yourself. Yeah, no, absolutely. I will say I do love that like perspective of like an insect or whatever, like gave me this and then one's going to bring me out of this and give me so much hope. Um, so yeah, so obviously I am doing B venom therapy uh, to treat Lyme. Uh, what that entails is really stinging myself. Um, I do 10 stings three times a week. Um, it's a two to three year protocol. So I sting Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. I am currently next month, I'm a year and a half in. So I'm at like that halfway mark. Uh, really the main compound in B venom is melitin, which is basically it's anti-inflammatory, anti-parasitic, antiviral, anti bacterial um, really helps destruct harmful cells on the surface and get rid of them. Um, Something I came up with by all means, I'm just obviously sharing my experience with it, but I'm sure as you were on, I'm on a bunch of Facebook groups uh, for Lyme disease and I was doing, you know, the very similar to you, just kind of like a mix of treatments. It was a little bit of antibiotics here and there, but more so like supplements and herbs and things like that. And 
I was not seeing the success that I, again, as we literally just talked about, I had it in my mind that that was going to heal me all these pills. I was going to take it for six months to a year and be cleared. Uh, it was about a year later of doing that. And I didn't feel any better. I just, I, it, it, to me, it just felt like I was like, my body was wondering like, why am I even doing this? Is this even tapping or hitting the bacteria that it needs to hit? Um, and so during this time on all these Facebook pages, I kept reading about people doing B-Venom therapy. And I was like, that's insane. Like, I'm never going to do that. I'll never forget talking to my friend. Actually, it's so funny. It was out in Arizona. Uh, she had taken like a beekeeping class and was talking to me about it. And I was like, Kennedy, like, I would never. That's so crazy. Like, what are the odds? Um, and here I am, <laughs> like a year and a half later, just full on promoting, not promoting, but spreading awareness and sharing my story. Um, so yeah, so I basically wasn't healing on those pills. And it was really an overnight like decision for me where I had been lurking on these B-Venom Facebook pages for a while. I'd been seeing people miraculously heal themselves after years of failed treatments. And I was like, I'm just going to do it. I got to the point where I was just like cold turkey on my pills. I was like, this isn't working for me. I'm going broke. My thing, because it was obviously more of like a holistic practitioner um, and Lyme specialist, I was spending so much money out of pocket on all of these supplements and herbs. Um, and I was like, I got to the point and I am very much a, I hate asking for help. I, it's one of my faults. Like I'm trying to push through it, but I got to the point um, where I was having to ask my parents for financial help, which they are amazing and would help me. But just deep down, I was like, I can't do this. I'm cutting. It's not working. It'd be one thing if it was working and I was asking, but it wasn't. So I was like, I'm doing the bees. I ordered my box that day. I like went to the protocol. I did all of it. And I kid you not, like I literally just started right away after that point. Um, An issue for POTS patients is that the blood pools in their legs. He's like, the gravity at that position will make your veins start to constrict more and work harder at night and start to push that blood back up towards your body. And it'll help over time. And he's yeah. like, and one hell of a journey. <laughs> it's been insane. Um, it's definitely not easy by all means. I'm sure you're very familiar with herxing and with times feeling worse before you feel better. Um, but the reason why bee venom is super successful is because it actually brings the dormant disease to the surface, which allows the Lyme venom to actually kill that bacteria. Um, so you're gonna feel worse before you feel better. Um, there's still so much research that needs to be done. Um, so a holistic treatment, it's been around since the Egyptian time. Uh, funny that you were talking about like out of state because it is pretty popularized within like Europe and Asia. And it's like, why is it such a crazy thing in the States? But here you are, you can go to Asia and they're like, yeah, we've been doing this for thousands of years. Like there's nothing new here. Uh, it's to some people, as you can say, like it, it does seem a bit crazy and a bit absurd, but there's definitely evidence that this works. That's, I mean, the easy initial reaction, even as most of us see a bee and we're like, oh my God, ah, a bee, like, I don't want to get stung. That's yeah. your just initial reaction. You want to avoid getting hurt. And then it's different because when you're already injecting yourself with shots and pills and things that you're having to intentionally hurt yourself already to get better. Yeah. It's like, 
it changes your perspective and you see like, okay, it's not hurting you. It's healing me. And Mm -hmm. the bees are essentially the same thing. It's shifting your perspective and not being like, oh my God, like, yeah, it's so painful. It's a sting, but it's shifting your perspective from like, ah, this thing is hurting me to this thing is helping me and healing me. And something that fascinated me. I mean, when I first saw one of your videos, I think of like the bees squirming and my initial instinct was like, oh my God, ah, like bees. And then you started talking about how the bees that you use through the three years doesn't even like affect the colony. And in majority, these, this toxin really does have beneficial as well. Yeah, no, it's crazy to see, obviously, very much on par with you of like, always carry the EpiPen. I try to put a disclaimer in all of my videos, because that's the last thing that I want is someone to like, see me doing it all of a sudden, they're like, I'm gonna go get bees. And I'm gonna go sting myself with like, zero preparation, zero. And and that's really, it's a fine line, because it's like, I, it's not a licensed treatment in the States. And so it makes it hard where people really have the ability to get up and do these things. I mean, like I said, I literally ordered bees one day, and here they are at my door. And it's crazy. Um, but you really do have to be cautious and, and be careful. Um, and that's why, yeah, I try to put the disclaimer, but definitely the EpiPen is a thousand percent always required. Anytime I sting, it's right by my side. Um, the chances of actually like getting an allergic reaction are very, very slim, but again, we always want to be safe, um, and always want to make sure, uh, that we are doing our part, you know, something for other people to realize because they see these holistic approaches or treatments and they might see like the quote unquote dangerous side effects or the potential side effects but then it's like she lays what was it in like three days or Mm -hmm. yeah so what I use in three years is like what one queen will make in two to three days how many like it doesn't damage your healthy cells the what's in their venom which is for some people the scary thing that they're thinking of is yeah if you have an allergic reaction to bee venom yeah you might go into anaphylaxis and like with any of our treatments we have to have an EpiPen there at all times anyways like I'm on a plasma treatment I need to have an EpiPen there in case I have an allergic reaction the same as you would with bee venom therapy and you shouldn't be doing these treatments unless you are and that's what a lot of people, I think the scary thing they think of is, oh my God, what if I have an allergic reaction? That's what bees do. And yeah. that's not, it's some people, yeah, same as you might be allergic to peanuts. Or be like, I've had all these severe side effects from Western medicine. Like mm-hmm. so many of my treatment protocols cause life-threatening side effects as well, or like situations. And for me, I'm like, okay, something as small as what they're doing to me doesn't seem as severe as some of these treatment protocols have insisted for. And I think that's also important for people to realize too, is like our advice isn't for everyone. Our advice isn't for like, yeah, a healthy person doesn't need to go out and get stung by a bunch of bees. That's not what we're talking about here. (laughs) But it's about like opening your mind to the possibility that our treatment protocols are different, are need that full spectrum of care mm-hmm. for your body yeah and that's one thing too that I always like want to emphasize is like I 
I know I'm healing from bee venom therapy. Like I know this is my path and I know that it can help so many other people. But at the end of the day, this is not the only way. <laughs> like it, this isn't to talk down on anybody who's doing modern treatment, anybody who's doing a mix or Eastern, whatever it may be. Like this is just me like showing that this is working for me after some time of doing that, you know, that alternative route. Um, but yeah, there, I mean, there's other ways, but this is, this is just one of them. Um, but I will say it is, it's brought me a lot of success um, over, over the last year and a half, at least. But I feel like I'm, I'm finally hitting this point where like, I do really feel like I'm healing on a deeper level. I think it has to do obviously with the venom, but I know we have talked about in the past too, like even the mindset of like knowing that I'm healing. I've always had ever since the start of doing this, I like, I kid you not had this gut feeling, this energetic force that like, this was the way I was going to heal myself. And like, to this day, I am so faithful and trust me, I'm human. There are days and I'm sure you have the same where it's like, you question it all of like, is this right? How I do it? But for the most part, I, I know I'm healing. I am healing. And I tell myself that every single day. And that's a big part of what we're talking about that healing isn't this linear motion. Like you are going to have up and downs. Like I have mental breakdowns still sometimes when I'm doing my treatments and I'm like, I hate this. I don't want to do this. I'm so overstabbing myself and yeah. this pain feeling like screw this, but you get through it because you're like, okay, like for myself, I just tell myself, just get through like this moment, just get through this one injection, this one painful treatment, whatever it is at this moment. And that's how we get through it. And you're going to have ups where like, and it really is that mindset of, yeah, it's not to say you're going to have, always have these great moments in this positive mindset, but being in that place, the majority of the time is extremely crucial for your healing. Oh and so many of us that are on that journey of healing are recognize that we recognize it's a change in mindset you have to being positive it's not that we're the happiest people in the world we have our bad days but it's knowing that you want to keep fighting it's knowing mm -hmm. that you want to keep trying to get better and knowing that something will work and yeah. I think that's crucial like many doctors be like you're never gonna get better you're gonna die you're gonna and so many of them told me like condition wasn't caught in amount of time and I didn't respond well to the original treatments they're like yeah you're probably gonna end up in a wheelchair like we don't wow. know how to help you you're probably gonna end up dead like to do with you and for me I'm just like that's not acceptable like there has to be something that works there has yeah. to be down the road I work out every day like I do like I have a pretty active lifestyle I work and I just see those doctors and I'm like, oh yeah, I thought I was supposed to be, yeah. yeah, you know? And it's funny because I'm like, no, you have to have that faith in yourself that mm, yeah. something will work. And I'm not to say like, I do have conditions that are gonna be a lifelong thing. I do have POTS, I do have EDS, but I mean, also I can't get the symptoms to a manageable place and I'm gonna get to a place of, comfort and further healing than I am right now. And I think that's crucial for people to think about and realize.
So crucial. Um, and I will say like, I do think a lot of it comes from like your sense of personality too. Like, as you mentioned, like, I think you and I both can relate of being kind of that type A prior. And I do think bringing that into chronic illness, like it also gives us that motivation of like, no, we're going to win or no, we're going to get to this point. And not everybody has that. And that's not a bad thing. Um, but I will say specifically with B-Venom therapy, especially as it's gaining a lot more momentum and awareness, I have seen way too many people and some of my friends, um, go through this treatment and it's three months, four months in. And they're like, I, I feel worse than I've ever felt. And I'm not healing, like expecting those really short-term results. And it, ah, Mel, it like is one of those things I, and, and this is something that I'm trying to portray a little bit better on my social channels is like, this is not easy. (laughs) This is treatment as hell. Um, it's like knowing in the long run that like, this is healing you and this is helping you. I've had days where, and I'm sure you too, I feel like I'm dying. And I know these are things that you can never, never illustrate to a healthy person. It's one of those things that just feels mentally crazy, but I knew that I had to reach that rock bottom in order to get to where I am. And I think so many people are looking for that short term result. And I've seen people start B-Venom therapy and stop because they didn't get that. And it just, it makes me so sad because it's like, you have to, you, the, you have to believe in it yourself. But again, maybe it comes down to that, like maybe B-Venom therapy isn't for those people. And as we mentioned, like for me, it was a gut feeling. Maybe they'll have a gut feeling with a different treatment. Again, this isn't the only treatment, but the power of the mind, dude, like I, I could go on and on about this for hours. <laughs> And almost similar, like the healing journey, I see it similar to a weight loss or weight gain journey. If you are looking for a fast fix, yeah, you can take these diet pills. You can take something that might help you gain all this weight immediately, but that's not going to maintain. As soon as you mm-hmm. stop whatever it is that you're doing, it's going to go away as opposed to doing small changes in your everyday lifestyle and make this something that you can maintain. And it's not always going to be easy. You're going to have days where if you're trying to lose weight, like you slip up and you eat like crap all day, or you're like, oh, screw this. Is this even worth it? But then you look back and you're like, damn, I'm way further than I was six months ago. And I'm feeling better every day. Every day hasn't been easy, but where I am now is way better than where I was six months ago or a year ago. And I think that's the difference in perspective that people need to have this fix is only going to have a short-term result Mm -hmm. as opposed to these slow and steady changes and adjustments are going to really have these long-term results that we need and that we're looking for. Totally. And I do think it comes down to also just like that experience and that time as time goes on, as we talked about, like, you're going to realize that because I think people who just started experiencing symptoms and wanted to go away. Like you have to kind of go through that experience of feeling the pain and almost grieving your old self. Like I'm sure you have done the same, but like I, it, it took me years to get to the mindset that I am now, but like for years, I hated myself. I hated my body. I didn't want to be here anymore. Um, and it really took that shift in mindset to be like, no, 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 no. Like, let's turn that around. Like I only have one body. I only have one life. I can either choose to make the most of this and choose to 
believe in healing myself or I can live a miserable life, be a miserable person, not feel well. Um, and it just, yeah, it takes those minor shifts, but it does take the experience. I feel like to get there, like you have to hit rock bottom before you can, you know, rise. And it's, it really ate with you there. Like I used to be in the same mindset of it's not easy when you have a chronic illness and you see all these changes that your body goes through. Like, I don't, I'm sure you've probably been on a stairway treatment and then that makes you, I've been there too, where then it makes your face like so puffy, puffy and round. Yeah. <laughs> literally like, just a puffball. Yeah. yeah. The moon face is real. I've been there, done that. <laughs> yeah. So bad. And then like, you can't, you're like, oh my God, I'm fat. I look ugly. I look horrible. And then mm -hmm. you go through another treatment that makes you lose an extreme amount of weight and you're super skinny me and for you like if you used to be a gym rat you see yourself as like thin and skinny and you're like wow I'm a weakling like oh my gosh <laughs> yeah and that's like how I felt and like I got really small at one point where I'm five seven and I got under a hundred pounds and wow. I looked like a skeleton I looked like the soul of my body yeah and for hating myself and I think that mm. made it even more toxic and difficult for myself as opposed to now like I fluctuate so much and I'm fine oh, with it like yeah. I've just adjusted and I'm like all right I have a closet now of every size of clothing and I'm gonna go through one medication where I might gain 10-15 pounds and yeah. this is how I'll look and then this might happen or I've been through treatments where I was stuck in the hospital and all my hair was ending up tangled so I dreaded all underneath my hair and I had dreads for a while and yeah. then like I was just like, you know what? I'm going to change my appearance. I'm going to change whatever based on what I'm going through and how I'm feeling. And so what if it's not what I normally look like or whatever? I'm like, I'm not always going to look the same. I'm not always going to be the same. And yeah. I think that's fine. And I'm much happier with myself and with life and the ups and downs as opposed to having these expectations that I used to have for myself of yeah. my old person and my old life, you know? Yeah. So funny you say that. I was in the mirror today. I was doing my stings and again, the weight fluctuation is so real with chronic illness. Um, and I like felt, I was like, oh, I'm like kind of a little pudgy, like just of self-talk. And I looked at myself, I was like, but I love myself. I love how I look right now. And it was like one of the first times in a long time that I was just like, I don't care. Like I literally talked to myself like this this morning. It's so crazy. We're having this conversation. I was like, I don't care how much weight I gain, how much weight that I lose. I love myself. I love my body. And I'm so grateful to be in it and to be alive. And like, again, it's just that shift in, in mindset and the way that you talk to yourself really makes a difference, but so crazy that you just brought that up. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's fine. Cause it really is that change of mindset. And for me, like I've instead found something that I like, or that look, I look forward to almost like with the weight fluctuations or changes or like when I had my hair was all tangled and like I couldn't brush it underneath I'm like you know what screw this I'm gonna turn it into dreads and I'm gonna get like cool charms and decorations <laughs> yes you did and turn it into like something fun or like if you're gonna fluctuate like when I'm really skinny instead I'm gonna be like you know what I like how my collarbones look that looks how my jawline looks right now and then when I gain weight I'm gonna be like you know what my butt looks good. Or I like how my tummy looks right now. Like, and you find those little things that you like about yourself as opposed to, yeah, you can focus on all those negative things about yourself. But if you're looking for the negative, there's always going to be negative 
to see. And yeah. if you're looking for the positive, there's always going to be something good to see as well. A thousand percent. And that doesn't help healing as well. Like being in that negative, like mind loop and that negative, like mindset, I guess, like the way that we talk to ourselves or the way that we even look at the world and view our illness, like will project how we are actually healing ourselves. Um, I don't know if you've read the book Becoming Supernatural, but I'm really into it right now. Um, I haven't. Oh, I'll definitely have to, I'll have to send it to you because it's really good. But it just talks about like how, if we are sitting here in a negative, you know, talking to ourselves negatively every single day, like that's how our symptoms are going to be. But if we're living in higher vibration and higher just elevation and, and happiness. And like, even if you aren't happy telling yourself that you're happy or telling yourself that you're, you're healthy, it makes a difference on your symptoms and, and on your life and on your outlook. So very interesting. Even if you're not chronically ill, that's a life message you can take with you anywhere. Like you need to shift your outlook and it's changing your expectations, even of yourself. Like with POTS, I can't, walk very fast at times or my heart rate will get too fast and I'll pass out. And before I used to get frustrated for myself and be like, no, I need to keep up with everyone. I need to walk yeah. fast. Like I still need to go on hikes and whatever. And for me, that was when I was making myself feel worse. And that was when I was like having a more negative mindset. And I'm like, right, I can't keep up. I can't do this. This is stupid. I'm stupid. Like this condition's stupid. Like, and that really toxic mindset. Whereas I'm like, okay, you know what? I need to slow down that's fine. Like I'm going to go at the slower rate. And instead I'm like shifted my perspective. I'm like, I'm just need to walk slower and I get to appreciate everything. And I get to acknowledge everything and see everything that most people are walking too fast or moving too fast to even notice and find the happiness in those tiny things. And I think that's what it is shifting your perspective with everything when, and it's not always going to be easy. It's not, gonna always have symptoms that you can make it like oh I'm puking right now this is great (laughs) yeah (laughs) this is fabulous I love myself when I puke yeah (laughs) but there's 24 hours in a day there's a lot of situations happening in a day that if at least for 80% of your day or 65% of your day you can try and make it something positive and just increase that positivity every day I feel like yeah. Just, just finding those small things to be grateful for, you know, like, yes, there's so much bad and I could dwell on everything bad in my day-to-day life, but like, I'm choosing to, to put, you know, emphasis on the good and to choose positivity and to choose healing, um, as opposed to the opposite. I would add with venom therapy, just because I always like put these disclaimers of yes, the bees do die. Um, however, as we already mentioned in this podcast is that what I use in three years is what one queen makes in three days. Um, honeybees are not endangered. They've actually never been endangered. Uh, there are some species of bees that are dying at a, an alarming rate. Um, honeybees specifically had their last, the last winter, it was like one of the smallest winter die-offs in 14 years. Um, and additionally, like I am just such a bee lover. I think people, again, they think like you're killing bees. How can you love them? But as we talked about, it's kind of like one insect got me into this and one's going to get me out of it. And there's so much that I want to do to give back um, to, you know, the bee community and industry, whether that's be a beekeeper or have my own hives or whatever that looks like. Um, And then additionally, I don't think people also realize how many bees naturally die every single day. And the amount that I'm using is so minute, like so minute. Every beekeeper that I've ever talked to gives me their full support and they will tell you that this is such a small number 
out of the bees that are naturally dying. And lastly, to top this is that the bees that we do receive are actually from beekeepers themselves um, and their foragers are usually at the last like end of their lifespan, which is like two to three weeks uh, to live. So moral of the story is that I'm not trying to justify killing a bee, but I will say I am beyond grateful for their healing properties. I have become obsessed with them. I know some people will never understand it, but the end of the day, I know what I'm doing is right. I know what I'm doing is ethical. Um, and I'm not going to, you know, stop spreading awareness of, of just how amazing these little animals and creatures are. <laughs> Something crucial to point out, it's not just these animals. It's not like you see a bee outside and you're stomping on it because you hate it. And you're like, it'll be, you really do have a newfound appreciation for these amazing animals that are helping heal you and helping out with your treatment journey. So it, again, it's a difference in that perspective. And if mm -hmm. some people aren't able to have that shift, shift in perspective, they might not understand, but that's, that's okay. okay. <laughs> that's <laughs> all right. We'll let, we'll let them be. I mean, yeah, the spiritual just connection in general of what I have with bees now versus in the past was very similar to you of being so frightened and scared by them. And now I just so much love my heart. It, they're a piece of me forever. Um, so uh, in some way or somehow, bees will always be a part of my life. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode and for really explaining the amazing benefits of bee venom therapy. And if anyone is interested in following Brittany and her journey, you can follow her on Instagram or TikTok at Britterbees and she really does an amazing job on explaining her journey with bee venom therapy and really her ups and downs that come with it. So thank you again and until next time everyone.